you would, open your, your Bibles or your device or your phone, whatever you have, swipe it to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll start reading at verse 16, and it, re and it reads, Rejoice always, <laughs> pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I'll read it just once more since it's just three there. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this preaching moment. I ask that you would speak to us, that you would lead us, that you would grow us up, reveal yourself in the volume of the book. We want to know more about you. Lead us, and we will follow. So, Lord, I pray today that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth, give me clarity of thought and agility of wit. Allow me to talk in the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my assignment today is simply to remind you that as Christ followers, our thanksgiving is not seasonal, but daily. Not seasonal, but daily. Whatever you were feeling before you carved the turkey, you need to feel that every day. Okay? You need to feel that every day. You know that little, that little crowd you got around the turkey. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? That needs to be every day. That does not need to just be the third Thursday. That's what it is, third Thursday in November. That needs to be every day. As a Christ follower, you are expected to live a life of gratitude. And so the text that we have today in front of us is a text that kind of reminds us of that. So I'm going to ju just jump right in so I can let you go because I know you got some turkey and dressing you want to kind of finish up before you start your diet before Christmas. <laughs> I know that's how it works. That's how it works. Everybody jumps in. Well, I'm, I'm going to start Monday. Monday. I'm just like, I'm going to try to start Monday, but I hope this chocolate cake is gone before Monday because if it's not, I'm going to have to start Tuesday. We can't, can't waste a piece of cake. We can't do that now. Uh-uh, no, we can't do that. So anyway, so in our text today, uh, 1 Thessalonians, there's a church there that Paul started. It is actually the second church, uh, the second largest church that he started on the uh, European continent. And so what has happened is that Paul went to Thessalonica, I always say this wrong, Thessalonica, Y'all say it for me. That's where he went. And so when he went in, he, start, he went to, as was his custom, which is so it's funny, uh, we, we read a lot about Jesus in the Gospels. It says that Jesus went to the temple, as was his custom. Uh, this text, as you start reading some history on it, we find out that it was the custom of Paul that whatever city he went into, he went in to the synagogues and started preaching about Jesus. So he starts preaching about Jesus, the people start hearing, and they're there a church starts to form. It's really interesting because a lot of business people joined into that movement of Christ, and a lot of women, business, female business owners 
joined. So this church that Paul has here in, in where is he again? Uh-huh. There, that church that he has there is a church that is diverse um, because we have some Jews but a lot of Gentiles there. So as Paul is preaching, Paul and Silas and his team preaching in the area, the Roman officials get hot like they always do, and they plan to uh, get Paul and arrest him. And the Bible says that at night, Paul uh, leaves the area at night. As a matter of fact, there was a guy, he was standing in this guy's house named Jason, and they went and arrested Jason and made Jason pay bail just because he let Paul stay with him. Sometimes you're going to go through some stuff simply because you help God's people. That ain't what I'm talking about, but you need to know it. So Paul leaves, and as Paul leaves, he goes to the next city, Berea, about 60 miles away. Same thing happened. Those same people actually chase him down there and try to arrest him down there. But he sends Timothy back to the Thessalonians, and he says, I want you to go, Timothy, and go and check on them to see how things are going. Timothy comes back and says to Paul, Paul, they're doing well. They're growing, and their faith is strong. They've gone through a lot of adversity, but they're holding on. So Paul is writing the, the letter, this first letter, to the church in, say it again? Okay, when I point to you, you say it. This is just going to be interactive preaching today. Okay, so he, uh, he writes this letter, and this letter is filled with gratitude, and he's proud of them for holding on. However, there are some there, because they're young in their faith, he needs to encourage, and listen, because of the persecution coming from the Roman authorities, there are some people there in that church, although it's growing, although they're holding on, they need to be stabilized in their faith. They need to be matured in their faith. So this, 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 this letter is a little different than some of Paul's letters because it doesn't have these big theological overtones that some of the other writings have. This is, a, this is pretty easy, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. So he's helping, he's helping them, he's coaching them along, and he's doing it because some of them need to mature. I believe that the text today will help us in like manner, in like manner. Some of us Although we are holding on, we need to grow up. And there's nothing wrong with growing, and there's nothing wrong with somebody saying to you, hey, I think you need to be strengthened in this area. Do not be offended if someone says to you, hey, that little, that little thing you're doing is not mature. Oh, Lord. I just felt, I felt something right there. Let me stay right here for a second. You cannot, as a Christian... Be offended because somebody else in the faith, one of your brothers and your sisters, encourages you to do better. Amen. You can't be offended. See, some of the challenges I think that we have in the church is that we feel like our business is ours. And if your business is yours, I would venture to say to you that you're probably not on kingdom business. Because kingdom business causes us to have this uh, mutual playing ground. That, you know, if somebody says to you, hey, you shouldn't say that. Who are you to tell me what I can't say? I'm your brother in Christ. And we're all trying to get, that, get, get to heaven together. So we don't like that kind of talk. We just don't like that. That's what the old saints would do. 
Mother Stella Williams would call. I've seen Mother Williams call some of the young ladies of the church. Come here, come here, daughter. She, everybody was daughter. Come here, daughter. What are you doing running behind that little boy? That's not what ladies do. And see, the, the challenge that we have is that we don't have saints. We don't have seasoned saints anymore that feel like it's okay to say something to younger saints. Thank you so much. Because they feel like, well, you know, who am I to say something? And in this day, you know, maybe they'll sue me or something. I don't know. Maybe they'll try to fight me or simply because I correct them. Correction is good for the body of Christ. You hear what I'm saying? So you can't be offended when somebody says, don't say that. Somebody says, don't do that. Somebody says, don't post that. Yeah, let me tell you something. Saints get mad when you start talking about their posts. Come on. Remember now, the alcohol companies now have to make sure they say drink responsibly on all of their advertisement. I believe that we should be saying that to the Christians. Live responsibly. Just because you can post it don't mean you should. And so in maturing, we have to understand that sometimes we miss the mark. And you got to be okay with somebody saying, so, you know, my big thing in the house right now, particularly with my oldest son, is take your shoes upstairs. And I try to make sure mine are not out. But the inspector general here, <laughs> on the days <laughs> that I forget and leave my shoes out, she'll say, lead by example, daddy. Internally, it gets on my nerves. But she's right. If you're going to make a, make a big fuss about that, make sure yours are not out. Every once in a while, as you walk this walk, you're going to need somebody to come alongside you and say, hey, straighten that up right there. Don't say that to them. Don't say that to her. They may take it wrong. You know, you need somebody to coach you along. So Paul is writing to his church here that he's no longer with them but he's writing to them to encourage them to mature. So he starts here, what I want to lift out of this text is, is that this whole notion of gratitude, he says it's big, okay? We read it, the way we read it is, in everything give thanks, this is the will of God concerning you. Actually, we should really read it, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks for this, all three of them, is the will of God concerning you. That's the way we should be reading it. So, gratitude grows you up. If you want to mature, find a reason to say thank you in hard moments. So I'm going to get to that in a second. Let me tell you five things real quickly that kills the heart of gratitude. It kills gratitude. Number one, doubt. Doubt kills gratitude. Number two, I'm not going to expound on these because I want to talk about some other stuff. Selfishness kills gratitude. When you think about it, it's all about me. Watch this. A critical spirit kills gratitude. Stop criticizing everything. Stop finding fault in everything. Why she got that on? Stop it. Be thankful that she's clothed. I mean, you got to flip the script somewhere. 
Critical spirit. Listen, being impatient kills it. I see you writing, Terry. We're going to leave it up there so you can get it. I see you. <laughs> Rebellion kills the spirit of gratitude. Rebellion is I'm mad at God, so because I'm mad at God, I'm not going to do anything he says. So the fact that you're alive, you find it hard to say thank you. Rebellion. Rebellion is when you stay mad just because you want to be mad. Rebellion. You know how that is. You, you know how that is. Husbands, you know how that is. Wives, you want to stay mad. So, you know, it's three or four hours later, but we still mad just because you want to stay mad. And one of y'all be like, what, we mad again? What happened? <laughs> and you don't forget, but you just know that you're mad, but you forgot why you're mad, but because you want to stay mad. That's just rebellion. It kills gratitude. So the five things that kill gratitude. Now, I want to go forward here and say this, that Paul really encourages us to live a life of discipline. It is what I call the always life. Always, the always life. He says here that you should always rejoice. You should always pray. And that you should always give thanks. And this is the will of God for your life. Now, this kind of jumps right in with our, our reload teaching that we're talking about purpose because we often want to know what the will of God is for our lives. Well, here it is real clear. Always rejoice. Always pray. Always give thanks. With those three, we know that you're in the will of God. The question becomes... What are you always doing? And what you're always doing, is it in the will of God? You can go and ask your neighbor, what you always doing? Are you always complaining? Are you always fussing about something? You always lying? Are you always being judgmental on others? Any of those out of the will of God. What is in the will of God, rejoice. Find something to be happy about. I can't stand people who can't be happy. I mean, you need to be happy at least 95% of the time. And when you're not happy, go to sleep. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, it's just, you know, I'm just saying. I'm not preaching, I'm just talking. What are you always doing? And is that thing that you're always doing, is it in the will of God? Are you always scrolling? Are you always, I got, I got, a, I got a preteen who does not want to be a teen that acts like a teen. <laughs> my 12-year-old my does not want to be a teenager because he feels like, I just feel like they're so disrespectful. Mom. I just don't want to be, I'm not going to grow up. And every time I see him, he's like this. I said, hey, you're being a teenager. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. <laughs> you are always on that phone. I said, I'm not fussing about it. I'm just saying you, have, you are becoming what you say you don't want to be because of what you're always doing. Hear me. What you always do produces a discipline in your life that may cause you to be what you don't want to be. Come on. Come on. If you're always eating, don't tell me you don't want to be fat. What you always do will cause you to be 
whatever. As we were growing up, School Rock says you are what you eat. From your head down to your feet. Y'all remember that? School, was it what's it called? School Rock? Schoolhouse Rock? Yeah. You become what you always do. So listen, no need to fast and pray and ask God to reveal his will to you if what you always do is counteractive to the will of God. You won't hear it. Y'all with me? Okay. I feel like turkey is sitting in. Or dressing. In my case, dressing. Because listen, I want to lose weight. I do. Somehow. <laughs> Carbs creep into my life. And I tell them to go away. But I always allow them to stay. So I become a big carb. <laughs> so, so, so discipline, Paul is now talking about discipline, always, always, always. And these things that he's saying, the end result is the will of God. So I kind of ask God, like, why? Why is this, this in everything give thanks part? Why is this your will? I did, I asked him, I asked him, I asked him last night, why is this your will? Because I don't think, I don't think this is a cool will. Like, will for me to be blessed and, you know, will for me to live holy, I'm down with that. But why do you have to will for me to be thankful in everything? Because God, I go through some things that don't make me want to say thank you. Come on. I mean, I mean, I mean think, think about it. No kid gets a whooping and then comes to mom and says, thank you for whooping me, mom. No kid does that. But, but when you become what? Mature. When you become an adult. You know, my, my daddy was, was heavy on some stuff about church. His whole thing was, you're going to always go to church. You're going to always serve. You're not going to ever sit down. Like, I, couldn't, I only sat down one Sunday out of four. I thought it was child abuse. <laughs> First Sunday, I had to sing with the male chorus. They was 150 years old, singing songs that was 200 years old. When I went back home the other week to preach, I went back to North Carolina. It wasn't my home church, but I went to a church that I had sang in growing up. That male chorus was singing the same song. When I tell y'all those songs, I, my, my kids was like, we could tell you, I, I sang every song word for word because they were singing those songs when I was born. And I felt like it was just child abuse. I used to have, I had Rem Harris, a pastor come in to rehearsal one time as a kid. I was an advocate for the kids. I went and I said, Rem Harris, my daddy's making me sing. In the, in the male course, but at least they could sing some songs that we want to sing. Man, he came to rehearsal one Saturday and got on the men because we were, you want these young boys to sing, but you don't want to sing that kind of song. Well, the truth be told, our male course couldn't sing the whinings. They, they couldn't sing commission, you know what I'm saying? So they had to go back and sing the Nightingales. Anyway, second Sunday, I had to usher. Third Sunday was the gospel choir. It was a mixed choir. They was 40 and over. So that was the only Sunday I could sit down. Fourth Sunday, youth choir. Fifth Sunday, hallelujah choir. I had to sing, play drums, or direct. One or the other. Always doing something and was mad about it. 
Because while we were, me and my cousin sitting up in the pulpit, in the choir stand, my friends was up there in the balcony with Snickers because they had been to the store right before Reverend Harris started preaching. <laughs> Come on, you know what I mean. And so they up there like this right here, and we mad. But as I began to mature, I appreciated the fact that daddy made me. He put some discipline in me. I didn't appreciate it then, but when I became, what's the word? Mature. So now what we find is this. When you live in a place, it was at that time I can go back to him, and I've said to him many days, Daddy, thank you. Thank you for making me go to church. Thank you for being strict on me. Thank you for teaching me how to tie a tie and making me wear one. I had to wear a suit and tie to church every day. Like this right here. Like if daddy was here right here, I'd be like, I'm sorry, daddy, it was just fourth Sunday, you know, because you got to always have a suit and tie on. That's just how I was raised. I appreciate it now. So based on what Paul is saying, he's saying this, that when you get to a place where you're living your life every day with gratitude, you are now in a place of maturity. It is after you grow up that you say, well, I appreciate mama for, for getting me because if she hadn't, the police would have knocked me in the head. You know all the stuff we say. But we wouldn't dare say it then. We was mad. We wanted to call the police. <laughs> yeah. I was the kid that went to the switch corner. My mom and them had switches. Y'all know what a switch is? <laughs> Children, y'all know? It's not, I'm talking about turning the lights on. My mom and them had switches, man, that they would leave in the corner so they would kind of dry a little bit. So I would sneak in the corner and just break them up. <laughs> I was that kid because I didn't appreciate it. But now I do because maturity brings us to a place of gratitude. Now, if you cannot find reasons to be thankful, in your life, I question your maturity. If everything is wrong in your life, if you, you, you're complaining about everything, nothing is ever right, ever right. You cannot go through a bad day and say, well, Lord, at least I was alive to go through it. If, if, if you can't process it that way, I wonder if you're mature. Well, Pastor, I might be a little fit offended. Good. I came today to offend you. Because as we close out this series, you cannot have a grateful heart or, or the thankful spirit on you simply because it's November and we're heading into December. Because what happens? Listen, let me tell you something. As an adult, for all of us in here who are adulting, Christmas is not the same as an adult. Now, if you, if, 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 if you think that you're just going to be happy at Christmas time because Christmas is going to make you happy, baby, you better be grateful that you paid your bill. Be happy you had just enough to make sure the kids had. You understand what I'm saying? Because as an adult, birthdays, and you got to start living thankful real quick or else you're depressed. Nobody loves me. I didn't even get a card on my birthday. Listen, I, I was an adult that was immature for many years. I could not imagine what is wrong with the world. Y'all didn't give me nothing for my birthday. What are we doing? What is going on? And I'm just 
maturing. Just maturing. Don't be coughing. Because as I am grateful for being alive in there, others in my life should be grateful for having me in their life, which they've given me a gift because they're grateful. You understand. <laughs> so let me give you a couple of things out here. Let me get out of here. I'm going to get y'all out early today because I did wrong first Sunday. First Sunday, I said, I'm going to pay y'all back. First Sunday, I preached way over. I called my pastor. I said, Pastor, I preached for like an hour and 15 minutes. He said, son, that was too long. Yes. Yes, that was too long. So I'm going to give you some time back today. Or, or not. Okay. So why is this the will of God for me? Uh, it's because gratitude produces something. And here's what I want you to get. And if you're writing, I want you to write these things down. Number one. Gratitude produces humility. It produces humility. It causes you to understand that I did not do this on my own. And I believe that God oftentimes does big things in our lives, things that we don't deserve, to remind us how to be grateful. You know, like the job that you really didn't qualify for? You know what I'm saying? You know the job that you got on the resume that you lied on? Yeah, no. yeah come on. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. You, you have fluffed that, that position up so you was a handler. But you done fluffed it up that you was like over you. You was like the king of the handlers when you got finished fluffing it up. But God, in his grace, gave it to you anyway. And you know you didn't deserve it, but you knew you could do the job, but there was nothing that you said. In other words, you misrepresented yourself. God covered it, gave you the job, and you had to say to him, Lord, thank you, because I know I didn't deserve this. Yes, I could do the job, but I didn't deserve it. Gratitude produces humility. Here's the next one. Gratitude produces reflection. I remember when should come after that. I remember when I wasn't making this much money. I remember when I didn't have a family who loved me. I remember when we argued all the time in our marriage. I remember when. See, it, it causes reflection. And reflection produces, should produce in you, a spiritual discipline that says, I'm always thankful simply because I look back and now I look where I am. And as a result, I say thank you. Maturity. Maturity. You cannot look back and feel like you got what you have now simply because you have been that good. You're not that good. You're not. But God is. And so we reflect just to say thank you. Here's the third one. It produces trust. That when, I'm, when I say thank you, God, that says even in the bad times, listen, in everything, in everything, in everything, Paul, everything, all things, all, inclusive of everything to the exclusion of no thing should you be saying thankful for, thank you for. And only a mature person can say that. How can you say thank you when they fired you unfairly? How do you say thank you when your family turns their back on you? How do you say thank you when the doctor says, hey, you got something here that I think doesn't look so good in this x-ray? How do you say thank you? is that you mature to the place where you say, I thank you because you've been faithful, reflection, you've been faithful in times past. 
and I trust you now to do it again. If it has been done, it can be done. And so to say thank you in tough times, it calls for you to trust God. Listen, I trust you because I believe that all things work together for the good. All things work together for the good. All things work together for the good. So then you have good plus good equals good. You have bad plus bad equals good. Then you have bad plus good equals good. Because all things work together for good. And when you process that way, that causes you to trust God in a way that when the bottom is falling out under you, you can say, I'm falling, but I'm expecting you to catch me. You with me? So that's what, that's what, that's what Paul is saying here. He said, in everything, you need to give thanks because it produces humility, it produces reflection, it re re uh, produces trust, it produces, listen, comfort. What God wants to do is to get us to a place that we rest in him. Have you ever had a sleep number? Have you ever slept on a sleep number bed? I slept on a sleep number bed years ago. We were in uh, Nashville, went to the Stellas, and we were at the Clarion Hotel, and they had a sleep number bed. And uh, trust me, I have stayed better, but I had always wanted to try one of these sleep number beds. Because I wanted, to feel, I wanted to know if there was a mattress that could make all this feel real comfortable. So, you know, of course, we played with it for a while. Because the air and all of that kind of stuff. And when you finally get your number, it works. It works. I, no, I am not going to plug sleep number. Listen, it worked. It worked that night. We felt good. We slept good. Remember that? We slept good. It was nice, and I, I, I want a sleep number. I think I want a sleep number. Anyway, what I found with the sleep number is that there is a number that brings me comfort that makes me sleep better. When we are thankful, it produces in us a trust that converts to a rest in God. It's like when I go through some stuff, and I say, I'm thankful because I've been through worse and you've kept me through that. And it can't be any worse than that. I'm going to rest in you. My number is a 35. And that's how I process things in my life now. I process the stuff that I go through. And it always with, I buried a son. If I can live through that, I can live through this. So thank you, Lord. I hated going through that, but thank you that you brought me through it. So now I can compare it. That life ain't so bad. I can live through this. Y'all with me? And there's a comfort in the rest that the Lord wants. Comfort ye, my people, says the Lord. He wants us to rest in him. Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. He wants you to rest in him. When you are grateful, gratitude produces that in your life. Here's the last thing. I'm good. Last thing, it builds your relationship in God. You can't keep finding something good to say about God and it not build your relationship. Can I go you, for, go you one further? You can't keep finding something good to say about your spouse and then not build your relationship. Oh, look at that. Look at them butterflies coming in here now. I saw y'all. I saw you. No, no, no. No, no, no. Gratitude works all the way around. This is not just in everything, give thanks to God. 
This is also in everything give thanks in your life. This is a life of saying thank you. So you got to find reasons to say thank you to the people that get on your nerve in your life. Oh, look at that. Well, you pray for patience. You ask the Lord, Lord, help me. Help me uh, with patience, Jesus. I need you. I want to be patient as a fruit of the Spirit. And so the Lord sends you some crazy coworkers. You need to be telling them thank you. Lord, crucify my flesh. I'm going to lay myself out. He says, I tell you what, you lay yourself out and you nail your own feet to the cross. You nail your own hand to the cross. But I got to send somebody else to nail this one if you're going to fully die. So then he sends people in your life that challenge you, that stress you out from time to time. It's those people that you probably should send a thank you note. I am growing up because I didn't cuss you out. <laughs> Megan said to me the other day that she was at work and uh, a lady called her the B word at work. Yeah. And she said, Daddy, you'd be so proud of me because I didn't say anything. I didn't because I thought about you and I thought you would have put me out. I said, baby, you thought right. So sometimes you have to say, thank you, Lord, for a daddy who would put me out, lest I be put in jail, because I was going to go and fight this lady. You got to find things. Find, listen, you know what I do every week? I give you a challenge. Here's your challenge. Your challenge is to spend the week finding things to give thanks for. Make it a habit. Always do it. Always do it. You know? I'm sick of these children. They keep tearing up this house. Every time I clean it up, they tear it up. I'm just sick of them. And you got to follow that up with, Lord, thank you for my children, Lord. I don't know what I do. They are inheritance from you. You're going to have to start following that thing up with a thank you. You hear me? Look for it, husband. When the wife start complaining, you just stand there. She could be like, what you waiting for? I'm just waiting for the thank you. I'm waiting for you to thank the Lord for me. <laughs> thank the Lord that I'm here. I'm going to walk out and leave you. Well, thank the Lord the kids ain't going to be by themselves. <laughs> Find a reason to thank him. Because this, listen, is God's will for your life that you live in such a way that you are growing up because you're finding things to be thankful for. I mean, there's a million things not to be thankful for, so you need to find two million to be thankful for. You know, it takes 12 positive things said to cancel out one negative thing. You know, that's like, that's just crazy. But all the negative things you say attach themselves to you. And you keep wondering why that thing keeps happening in your life. Life and death in the power of the tongue. And those that love it shall eat its fruit. Come on, you are a big old vine of negativity. You got to cancel that thing out with Lord, I thank you for. Lord, I thank you for. Number one, it produces a life of gratitude. Number two, it's the will of God for your life. Don't ask me what the will of God for your life is, because I'm going to tell you. Rejoice always. Pray always. And always give thanks. For a life of thanksgiving produces a life 
of maturity. Let's stand with two minutes and two seconds left on the clock. What you say? Better go ahead, Pastor. Remember this, it could be worse. Old saints would say, it could have been the other way. Whatever it is in your life right now, it could be worse. And my challenge to you is that you think, as we close this series, think of the things to be grateful for. Teenagers, y'all are notorious for talking about what's not right. You're notorious for saying, I'm bored with an $800 device in your hand. How dare you? I'm bored with a device in your hand, a TV on. It's just like amazing to me when my son says, Daddy, I'm bored. You kidding me? TV's in every room, devices in each hand, earphones, toys, but you bored? So this week is gonna be, but what you thankful for? I know you're bored, but are you thankful? And then I'm gonna help them. Let me tell you how you could be bored. You could be bored at a homeless shelter, but instead you're bored in a house with heat. You know, you could be bored and hungry, instead you're bored and full. You gotta find it. Stay bored, but tell me why you're thankful for the boredom that you're experiencing this way. I know you want your job to be better, but why are you thankful for the one that you have? Father, in Jesus' name, we ask today that you seal this word in our hearts, that we'll mature, that we'll grow, grow in such a way that you are pleased and that we are doing your will. I pray today that you would forgive us for the times that we've complained and moaned and groaned and kind of overlooked all that you have done and all that you are doing. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would forgive us for that, create within us a clean heart and renew within us the right spirit. I pray this morning that you would help us remember, help us reflect over all the blessings that you've given us. Teach us, Lord, to be grateful every day. In Jesus' name, amen.